0: It's still the Middle East, and things are changing. That is true. What is changing in this oil market on Thursday, May 4th, with Brent crude oil uh, trading up this morning in Asia, up 1% uh, at $73 a barrel. Who would have thought a little bit above $73 a barrel has obviously taken a big hit over the last few trading days uh the economic noise seems to be somewhat bearish uh let's kick off this morning and uh, with Malia Bengali founder of MB commodity corner <clears throat> Malia your assessment of where all these are uh, these sort of counter forces are integrating they had the FED decision yesterday to go up for 25 basis points we had another bank collapse Etc where do you put it all together for Outlook?
1: So the market really had a big move yesterday when the FOMC, the Fed delivered as expected 25 basis points rate increase. But what was really astonishing is that he worked so hard to reassure the market that the banking system is safe and resilient. And then a few hours later, we see Pacific Bank up, looking at strategic options. Honestly, I think the Fed is doing what it can to keep stability, but they really don't know how much of an impact their rate rises have done to the economy. There's some serious impairment and the market's realizing that It's not a matter whether they pause or not because we think it was a hawkish pause because they've left the door open to data dependency. What this means is that there's severe lending crisis in the economy. All these banks (laughs) are going under. There's not really a banking crisis because J.P. Morgan or other banks are getting bigger, but the fact that we have less lending and more banking tightness means the economy cannot grow and that's the issue. We're going through a massive deceleration phase and inflation as the Fed pointer is pretty sticky still. We know it's coming down, but the question is they need to see that 2% print before they can do anything So the big debate in the market is that the Fed's going to cut, but historically speaking, the Fed has never gone and done a 180 from raising rates to cutting rates. So higher for longer is the key thing here, and that is what the market is markets digesting, uh, it's quite bearish, right? So we know that there's serious stress in the economy. The oil market is just a reflection of that because it's looking out in the future. Demand across the board, even April d- data demand for China is not as bullish. We know that Q1 was strong for them because they reopened, but net net demand across a lot of indicators, some of our provided indicators is very weak. And I think that's what the investors are trying to battle with right now uh, in terms of that policy.
0: Ali El-Riyami, consultant and former director general of marketing at the Oman Ministry of Energy and Minerals. Ali, uh, we're we're down at the lower ends of the 70s. The last time we were here a few weeks ago, OPEC Plus uh, members announced a significant cut that's coming into effect this month. uh, And they are due to meet in uh, Vienna in early June. Would you expect another cut to tackle these falling prices?
2: Good morning, everybody. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so that uh, during this period, uh, until uh, June, when they meet uh, uh, personally in uh, in Vienna, that uh, there will be any kind of uh, uh, decision to cut. Especially that uh, the previous decision was not from OPEC Plus, but it was uh, voluntarily from uh, from members, some members of uh, of OPEC Plus. But uh, I don't I don't believe that uh, there is uh, there is enough uh, justification at the moment to 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 cut more uh, more production actually so we will I think uh, the OPEC plus uh, they will wait until they meet after maybe one one month from now maybe less um, to to take a, a decision either to continue uh, with the same cuts or to 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 cut further down a little bit of uh, more production one or two million extra but this is this is not uh, Driven by the fundamentals, the, the the price now is driven actually by the economics or the economy of the world, and it is not growing. Uh, we have crisis in America; the banks are collapsing one after another. Uh, the, the the world, uh, you know, economy is not growing. Uh, and, uh, you know, the inflation is high. So all of this, and also the index and in, uh, you know the the trading index and also the manufacturing index in China, is not supporting mm-hmm. the growth and the, the demand of oil. So those all. Uh, all these factors, I, I don't think that uh, if you reduce more oil, it will help the price. And again, I mean, OPEC always, they, uh, they, they claim to say that uh, we are not after the price, but we are after the fundamentals. So I don't see any reasons at the moment why should OPEC take a decision uh, to, to reduce their production. Let's well, fund, wait and see fund, until uh, June.
0: Fundamentally, Saudi Arabia wants to balance its budget, so perhaps that's a fundamental of that's some what, sort. Uh,
2: that's what everybody says, but uh, we haven't. Uh, you haven't heard any statements from uh, from no. Saudi Arabia uh, indicating that. But uh, right. you know, there are the speculators and also rumors here and there. And uh, you know, the the, the latest uh, uh, statistics shows that each country of GCC how much they need oil oil price to to balance their their budget. But uh, those are just. Uh, you know, let's let's go uh, in that official uh, statements sure. from different organizations.
0: Let's welcome Victor Yang, senior analyst at JLC Network Technology in China, because of course there are some very positive data points now emerging out of China. Malia referenced the first quarter uh, oil import numbers look positive, and now we have the China uh, tourism back in action Uh, after the May Day holiday, we saw a rebound to greater than pre-COVID levels. 274 million domestic trips uh, over the holiday. Uh, That's nearly 20% higher than 2019. China's back, is that the narrative, Victor?
3: Yes, well, well, you have got the data, yes we just came back from a five-day holiday today and what we have been watching from news these days is traffic jams everywhere and tourism spots being packed everywhere and what was more ridiculous was that people couldn't get reservation at the hotel and they had to spend well the evening in the well, Washington is some mountains. Yes, that's like crazy. And it was actually more crazy than before the pandemic. So people are now spending more, I mean, because of the tourism, it's driving up local economies faster than in the first quarter. So we we are actually seeing more consumption in quarter two, yes.
0: Uh, Where, Victor, does that signal um, from a point of view of aviation fuel or other energy consumption, this uh, sort of restarting of the Chinese economy and obviously this big holiday weekend? Are we seeing that reflected in the uh, energy consumption data?
3: Yes, we see an increase in gasoline and jet fuel consumption quite well, quite a large increase, particularly in early May. And diesel production diesel consumption grew faster in the first quarter, but now gasoline and jet fuel consumption is catching up, so we expect a faster increase in gasoline and jet fuel in this quarter, yes, than in the first one yes
0: Malia we're looking at the you know the the sort of contrast here, if you like, between you say the China bulls who are are looking at that story uh, versus the um, the kind of U.S. bears, if you like, the U.S. economic outlook sort of becoming more and more concerning. Are there are, are either of these two winning? As I mean, obviously, seventy-three dollar or it would tell you that the U.S. bear economic outlook is trumping the uh, China bull.
1: A lot of the stale oil bulls have used China demand recovery as one of the main thesis for an oil price rebound. You know, you've know, you seen this magical V-shaped recovery estimates in earnings of equity companies, but also in oil demand numbers, as though China will magically save the world. It's not that simple. China may be doing better in reopening, but look at what's happening in Europe and U.S. So the export data is weakening. And you have to take what's happening in the developed markets in combination with what's happening in China. And taking a step back, the tightness in oil has always been in products. We've talked about that for months on end. And now, now, what's happening in the last month and a half is we've said that China and India have been very sort of uh, uh, advantageous and taking cheap Russian crude to make a lot more products and they're sending it out. So the tightness in gasoline and distillate is actually easing off as demand is actually falling off and that's balancing the oil market. So it's really not just about oil, it's about products as well. Demand is a key factor here and that's something that's disappointing on the downside or at least not recovering as much. So yes, the macroeconomic data is affecting what's going to be doing to oil and look at copper, nickel, aluminum. It's a massive economic uh, uh, downside in prices. So I think that's what needs to be practiced into the prices. And people who are just basically basing China to demand is going to help. I mean, their numbers are too high. They're still calling for $150 oil. If you see a massive recession, these numbers will never come to fruition. Yes, OPEC has done a good job in terms of taking battles out of the market, but they're just delaying the inevitable, right? They're just making it price higher for longer for the wrong reasons because demand is not there, we feel. I like the the
0: Somewhat talking about the fundamentals of the oil market, we've seen in recent weeks and again this week, uh, crude oil inventories are declining, uh, drawing down, let's say, in the U.S., uh, and yet oil prices are falling Typically, the historic correlation between those things are to move in the other direction, falling inventories, rising prices. But on this occasion, we have falling inventories and falling prices. How do you interpret
2: that? Well, uh, you know, I have a different uh, theory on this. Uh, I don't believe on those numbers uh, uh, shown either from America or from uh, uh, EIA. It's just, uh, you know, uh, it's another... It's another way of uh you know uh, manipulating uh you know the numbers and manipulating the market. this is the way I see it i mean uh, maybe I'm wrong maybe they are correct but uh, uh there is no uh, a coalition by the way between uh, the numbers or the, the, the inventories in America and also the oil price. It's always been uh, together i agree with you but uh there is no fundamentals to, to, to allow these two things to go together, because uh, we are talking about two different markets, two different directions. But uh, nevertheless, uh, every time we see any inventories lower in, in America, then uh, we expect uh, the prices to go up for no reasons. I mean, uh, what that should do with, uh, with, uh, with China, let's say, or with, uh, with India. But uh, nevertheless, uh, those are the things that we used to follow before, but now the world, or the, these numbers, proves to be—you know—they are going to different directions and uh, and no more uh, co- connected. Uh, so I, I believe this is going to be the norm uh, in the coming uh, few months. Uh, especially that uh, the dollar now is very strong, and this is another factor uh, that it has on the price oil price. But uh, uh, I numbers and uh, the IPI or API numbers are always uh, nice to have, nice to nice to know, but. Uh, I don't uh, personally, I don't think that there are genuine numbers uh, that it can drive the market, uh, either high or low. Victor,
0: Victor, uh, we talked about the China tourism uh, data of the last few days. Of course, people have been locked up for many, not locked up, but ultimately locked down of the COVID pandemic. And now we've seen this rebound in many places. Uh, What's the sustainability of this rebound, because typically it looks like the data shows that the China consumer doesn't really want to spend their money
3: Well, well, if we are talking about consumption, it did grow quite a lot during the public holiday, and say for instance, when one person travels to another city for well, to see the pandas, say, you can spend 200 yen or maybe 50 yen for seeing the pandas, but you can spend several hundred yen on, well, hotel, food, and so on. So uh, there will say some data on this. Say, if you travel to another city to, to say, to have barbecue, say, in Zibo, in Shandong, which is very famous now, and you can spend 50 yen for the barbecue, and then you have to spend Several hundred yen on related stuff. Yes. And so during the holiday, actually, they grow quite significantly. But we do not expect such a jump to last in the coming months. We say it will retreat slowly, actually, after the holiday, but then recover gradually, not just like the big jump during the holiday, because it's quite different during the holiday. So, we just expect demand to recover faster than in the first quarter, but not like the holiday. That's quite a one off occasion. Yes.
0: The Malija, we're also this week looking at, uh, we had obviously the Fed yesterday. They did as was expected 25 basis points in the midst of what is an ongoing banking crisis. The ECB is up next what do we expect from them it seems there's a less un, there's a less uh, certainty about what they may do 25 or 50 basis points
1: The ECB usually follows the track of the the Fed effectively. Their inflation numbers are a lot higher than the U.S.'s. So if anything, they would need to match them and raise by a quarter as they did before. So we expect them to raise rates. And I think when the Fed does eventually pivot, if it does, there's always a time lag. But the Europe has a lot higher inflation problem, structural growth problem than the U.S. does. So, yes, we are more hawkish on them raising rates.
0: And where does that leave the European economy, economy? I mean, despite the traumas of the war in, uh, in Ukraine and other energy crisis challenges over the winter, which never really materialized, where is that leaving the European economy at the moment? It does
1: seem to be defying gravity. You're absolutely right. I think the relief recovery we saw in the last three months because gas prices you know, are trading below 36 pence per ton right now, that's aided in this European recovery, but you are right. There's a lot of systemic issues and there's even talk about the banking issues in the US spreading into Europe, maybe not as much, but you know, commercial real estate, residential real estate, loans, uh, deposit ratio, these are still issues in Europe as well and we haven't seen the impact of the contagion yet, but in terms of taking a step back, in terms of the slowdown in credit fees, it's going to impact Europe. So the Europe economy numbers actually were are probably looking a bit bearish and they probably hike, you know, they're probably at the highs here right now, because we could still get a very cold winter and gas prices could shoot higher that is, the game is not over there uh, towards the end of this year.
0: Ali, just coming back to our original point, you were saying that the fundamentals don't indicate why OPEC should cut uh, again anytime soon. Uh, but I suppose similarly, a few weeks ago, one might've said the same thing. Uh is there a, an argument or is there any reading of the fact that the meeting in june is going to be in person uh, that the the cuts that were made last a few weeks ago or announced a few weeks ago i should say by was not an opec agreement it was a it was an individual country voluntary decision uh, would you expect going into the opec meeting in june in person that all of these Voluntary cuts will become inside the tent of OPEC plus and that others may join? Or how do you see that merging, if you like, from the voluntary to the actual official OPEC OPEC plus uh, a, a group of countries?
2: Yeah, you got it right, uh, Sean. I think uh, what happens always that uh, if there is any voluntary, it happens before. By the way, two years ago or three years ago. Yeah, I remember Saudi two,
0: cut uh, a million exactly, barrels by itself. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. So, and then what happens is that when they have this uh, OPEC meetings, especially the the whole uh, the, the OPEC class meeting, members are attending the, the the meeting. Then it is it is going to be discussed internally. And uh, if uh, if the if the numbers and also the, the market uh, shows that uh, there is a need for, for others to join, then uh, yes, the decision will be like uh, you know let's now go to everybody and uh, and uh, and uh, try to, to to split the cuts uh, to others. Uh, either uh, we they will keep the same uh, the same volumes, or maybe if the numbers also uh, uh, you know shows that uh, they need to to reduce further down, then. Uh, the other countries will participate. but uh, I mean, the At the is, moment,
0: OPEC Plus is still, uh, OPEC research is still showing a two-plus million barrel a day growth in demand this year. Their own data has not changed despite yeah. these cuts. Would that have to change in order for these cuts to become consolidated within OPEC?
2: I think uh, the most important thing is that uh, the market in Asia and how this uh, this will drive will, will drive the demand in the future and uh, you are you're absolutely right I mean uh, the, the, the numbers of, uh, of Opec it shows that uh, there is uh, there is some uh, you know there is a demand of uh, about 1.6 1.7 million barrels but uh, it doesn't show exactly when when this will kick in you know then uh, it is just a number that is it keep on uh, you know going the, to towards the, the future rather than uh, saying that this will happen in October or November. So I'm expecting, you know, I'm expecting the the growth, the real growth to happen in the last few months of this year. So well, this IEA, is where...
0: The IEA has forecast that the fourth quarter would be the big, as you just articulating, as much as 2.7 million barrels a day of demand growth in the fourth quarter.
2: In this environment, sure, 2.7 million, I doubt it. That's what it's. Uh, that's what uh, the. Well, the, that's what that's what makes me you know, uh, say. That is exactly what makes me, you know, uncomfortable with uh, with uh, I, uh, you know, uh, EIA and IEA whatever. Well, well, the
0: the ar- the argument for the IEA is I think OPEC isn't far behind. Is that essentially in the first half of the year the demand growth is only six seven hundred thousand barrels, and then increasingly in the second half it scales up to 2.7 in the fourth quarter. And so the average for the year is two. Let's go to Victor in China and Victor, get us a sense of where you think the second quarter China demand numbers will be. Consumption and imports. What do those two numbers look like?
3: Well, consumption will not change much yet in the second quarter. Well, in the first quarter, it, say, grew modestly. Well, let's take two ones, for instance, Sinopax grew runs in the first quarter still dropped modestly, say, about 3%. And China's close throughput grew by over 8%. So, and in combination, the country's close throughput grew to some degree in the first quarter
0: what was the total uh, barrel number uh of that
3: well and is about say in metric tons is is it grew about 3.9 percent and i don't remember the actual barrels per day number and in the second quarter there's a, a lot of refinery maintenance say particularly from uh, say April in April and May, so we expect crude imports to drop quite significantly in April, probably to about 11.2 million barrels per day. And you know
0: from from impulse, what?
3: Yes, from the well, you know, imports in March hit the uh, the second record high, say, which it was just earning over well. 12.9 million barrels per day, I think. And it was just close, uh, 12.8, probably. And just close to only second to the record high record in June, 2021. And well, we had discussed why imports in March, had drawn, yes, in previous sections too. And in April, one is because of the high base in March. And the second one is because of the refinery the maintenance. And refinery maintenance will not change much yet in May. So we do not expect imports to change much yet in May. But we expect to see a jump in June after most refinery maintenance comes to an end. And also because some buyers place more orders after well, OPEC pronounced announced production cuts because of some concerns about tightening supply and rising prices in in the coming months. So we do do not expect it to say consumption and import well to recover yet before June. Yes, would
0: you? Uh- share the IEA and the OPEC view that in the second half of the year, China's imports numbers, its consumption of energy will grow in the, in comparable to the levels that they're indicating?
3: Yes. Well, in the second quarter, it will grow. Yes. yes.
0: But the second half of the year from July, yes, yes, August. Yes, September. Yes, yes.
3: yes, yes. We expect economy to recover faster in the second half of the year. And it's oil consumption too. Yes, and imports too, yes.
0: Let's go to the survey question, which is tackling the subject of this dreaded uh, US government debt default, debt ceiling uh, issue, which is growing in noise and concern. Uh, we had Janet Yellen this week indicate that she identified the date in which the US government would no longer be able to meet its obligations under the current framework of June 1st. Uh, and so the question is how likely is it that the US government, Republicans and Democrats will reach agreement to lift the debt ceiling by default uh, day, You know, the, the, basically the default day, Uh, on June 1st, that they'll be able to lift the debt ceiling by default day on June 1st. Uh, They definitely will reach agreement, probably will reach agreement, maybe will reach agreement, unlikely to reach an agreement. Would you need to store canned beans in your basement, Malia, if they do not reach agreement? What are your thoughts on how significant a deal are out the lack of a deal or an issue this is for the markets.
1: We think it's good to look back at 2011 and um, in the past, because there are some risks in terms of coming to some sort of an agreement. Eventually they may come to an agreement, but I think in terms of the risk factors, look at US CDS spreads, there is a risk of it actually getting a lot more prolonged than people expect. And that nervousness will cause tension in the market. That's already very nervous about other factors. So eventually they may come to a compromise, but it's not looking like a done deal just yet. There's a lot of you know, two way back and forth. So there's a, a chance of some hiccups along an eventual agreement. I think. That's a risk the market needs
0: to price in right now. Yeah, hence I put the the June first date there. Uh, I I think you could see a lot of government departments furloughed and and so on as this drags out over the summer. Uh, Ali, what does this symbol? Do you think this continuous difficulty within the American body politic, government, etc. Banking crisis? Uh, some argue this is adding up to an indication that the full capabilities of the U.S. economy's best days are behind it than in front of it. Do you subscribe to any of that theory? Is it just business as usual or is this more symbolic of something more, do you think?
2: Oh, obviously, that uh, this is, has an impact on uh, American economy, no doubt about that. But uh, how, how big it is, uh, uh, well, uh, we will have to wait and see how, how much that it has an impact. In the world economy, but no, no doubt that uh, the whole market—not uh, only the oil and gas market, but the energy market and also the other markets—are being affected by this uh, factor and also the the, the the issue and also the, the, the problems with uh, the banking sector in America. So all of this, a combination of so, few, so uh, you know, a combination of few things, that's all definitely affected uh, the market uh, tremendously. But uh, for how long? and uh, are, are there any indications in the in america that uh, this uh, could be solved soon this is the question that we will have to wait and see uh, if there is any sig- uh, you know uh, signals of uh, any kind of uh, support from the federal and also from uh, from the government to to come up with some uh, solutions to allow you know the the growth uh, the economic growth in america to start again but at the moment Uh, It's a very gloomy picture and uh, we'll have to wait and see.
0: Victor, uh, does this story get much coverage in China? Is it viewed as a significant issue or not?
3: Yes, it's a significant one. Yes, It can cause uh, quite a lot of impacts globally too. So we also pay attention to this. Uh,
0: And just finally, Victor, before we wrap up, I mean, in the past we've seen China take advantage of low oil prices, yes. even though this is not, as you say, the cycle and we have maintenance season and so on. Yes. Would we expect that Brent in the low 70s and you know the downward draft continues that China, despite maintenance season, might be opportunistic here and go into the international market and buy more oil than is expected in the
3: second quarter? Well, it's possible, Uh, but it's also up to the storage capacity too, and the market outlook. Say, if we still expect, the country still expect, well, bearish markets, even if it's not below $70, it may not buy much. And so there's still quite some practice to decide It
2: should be attractive for the Americans.
3: Yeah.
0: The, the 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 opportunity for uh, the the discounted crude uh uh is is um i suppose china victor is already enjoying discounted crude from russia uh, yeah. uh and and so maybe uh, it's it's a bit spoiled at the moment uh, what is the outlook for that continuing it had reached up to i think 20% of total imports is that number still uh looking like the average through the second quarter?
3: Well, in March, imports from Russia hit a new high of over 2 million barrels per day and took close to 19% of the total imports. Not much change from the previous month. Well, so we still expect this to continue in the coming months too say in March cargos from Russia were about ten dollars below those from Saudi Arabia and versus eight dollars in in February. So not much difference but there's still some discount and so we expect this to continue and yes.
0: And from that point of view is there still a a lot of capacity in the Chinese storage inventory capacity, which had filled up quite high levels last year. Is there still capacity for more?
3: Well, not much more yet. I don't think there's still there's still much more capacity for new cargos. Some a little bit, but not like in in 2021 or 2022. Not no longer. Hmm.
0: No longer much room left in the bucket. Well, we'll have to wrap it up there. Rent crude oil trading a little bit higher this morning in Asia. Uh, This uh, probably is uh, getting the most uh, answers here. We'll post that on social media. Probably will reach a deal. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm in the unlikely camp by June 1st, uh, which is the sort of key date there. Uh, I think the friction within the politics is so caustic that uh, uh, it's going to take them a few goes to uh, reach. And, 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 you know, like that time when you drive your car and it's on empty and the red lights flashing. I think we're going to spend a little time in the red light flashing uh, of the U.S. uh, government, uh, maybe through the month of June, when everything is sort of on a knife edge. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. But Ali riyami thank you so much as always. Uh, great to have your insights uh, and I uh, look forward to your recommendations in Istanbul. Victor Yang, thank you so much uh, for your participation this morning. And Malia Bengali uh, from the UK, thank you all. Uh, we'll catch up soon again.